there. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. Okay, we're recording. Yep. I'm going to zoom in on my words so I know what I, so I can see what I'm talking about. Wow. Okay. (laughs) It's fine. Go get them, Shy. We're fine. Everything is fine. Go get them with your glasses and your zooming. At least I don't need readers just yet. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's the bright light at the end of the tunnel. It's probably not far off. Let's just be honest. But I do know people around my age that are already using them. So let's just get our LASIK touched up. Not me. Shall we? See yes. See if they'll give us a group discount. Ooh, I wonder if they would. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Something to look into. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Shane, are we ready to do this? I'm ready, Shy. I was born ready. Are we ready to talk true crime? Yes. Okay. One hundred percent i'm glad okay well today i want to talk to you about the edmund post office shooting oh fudge. yes yes quite a uh very big mass murder um story here in oklahoma in the 80s oh, okay it was one of a few actual postal shootings in the 80s. There was more than one? There was more than one. Oh. Yes. But the Edmund Postal, the one here in Edmond, excuse me, is most prevalent because so many lives lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. So. Okay. So I want to – the. The few places I'm going to get my information from this story or that I did get my information from this story was Wikipedia, obviously. The Oklahoman, again, obviously. Duh. Yeah. New York Times, Time Magazine, and a book called 15 Minutes of Terror, Massacre at the Edmund Post Office, written by Dell Justice. Dell was a survivor that day. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the information I'm getting for this story is from that book. And the reconstruction of events that he used were from the 7,000-page postal inspector's report afterwards. Ugh. Okay. Yes. So Dell stated in his book he was very new to the Edmund Post Office and to postal work in general uh-huh. when this happened. Like, I believe, if I remember right, it was a month maybe that he had been working at the Edmund Post Office. Oh. And he was still learning. God. He was a rural, rural, rural. I can't say that word. Rural? One of many words that I've obviously not been able to say on this podcast. <laughs> rural <laughs> is, in one, is one of them. So. Sorry, guys. Rural. Rural. 
Fun fact, when I was a child, I had a, a speech impediment and I couldn't say my R's. <laughs> Rural just happens to be that one word that I still can't say. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. So, like I said, Dell very new at the post office, so much so that he didn't have everyone's face and name memorized, uh, even the shooter's name. Okay. At the time this happened. Okay. So, morning of August 20th, 1986, summer morning, Edmond, Oklahoma, you know, it was probably 85 degrees out already at 6.30 in the morning. Definitely. Edmond Downtown Post Office, roughly 73 employees were clocking in, getting ready to start their day. Among those employees was 44-year-old Patrick Sherrill a part-time relief carrier. So part-time relief carrier is obviously part-time. They are assigned their carrier routes, from what I understand, the day, their shift. So they don't have a set. so they just come in if, like, someone's sick or something. Right. They don't have a set route, like one one individual does our route here, right? right? So they're they're just relief. So he was not a full-time carrier, just part-time, Okay. Patrick Sherrill was born November 13th, 1941 in Watonga, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. He served in the Marine Corps. He often would like to boast that he served in Vietnam, but no records indicate that he ever served overseas. I think that was really common back then because like a lot, I've heard of a lot of dudes that were like, enlisted during that time but maybe never even never got shipped overseas or never really saw any action they would like they would be like yeah i was in nam or whatever but they really i mean they never left they did u.s soil okay i didn't i think that was really common Uh huh that's interesting i mean i wonder why street cred just to fit in i guess maybe just to say you did some stuff maybe i don't know i I will never pretend to know yeah he was however considered an expert marksman in the marine corps he was also a member of the national guard pistol team Mm -hmm. and about that life yeah so just kind of a little rundown of how the edmund downtown post office was laid out, right? So it was like this huge facility, like a large open area. There were multiple stations or like what we would think of as cubicle areas now Mm -hmm. with shelves. Usually like it was a tabletop and then from the tabletop, five shelves high for sorting. Mm -hmm. So early morning, Mail clerks, some arrived as early as 1.30 in the morning to do, like, an initial um, sorting. Mm -hmm. And then the carriers and more clerks would arrive at, like, 6.30, Mm -hmm. okay, for, like, these final sorting, whatever. So if you can imagine, there was, I think, 10 to 20 of these sorting stations like this okay Okay? so it's not like a cubicle you're sitting down and something happens or something's going on you just stand up and see your buddy sitting across from you right like these people are boxed in yeah you can't see because of the shelves and everything right and they were all metal everything in the 80s 
Everything's metal. It was metal. Metal and asbestos Uh everywhere. Everywhere. So, shortly after arriving and clocking in, Cheryl would make his way to the SPO, or the Superintendent of Postal Operations Office, to see if John Cipher's SPO or Bill Bland had arrived. Okay. Okay. Bland and another supervisor by the name of Richard Esser Jr. had reprimanded Cheryl the day before, and some say had threatened him with dismissal. For what? For working, like different working violations. Not, I think there was one that said he was leaving mail out in the open overnight when it should have been locked away and he was going slow on his routes, that type of thing. Just kind of an overall working. He wasn't doing his job well. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So when he found out that neither were there, he went back to his station. Bill Bland would arrive um, an hour late that day due to oversleeping for the first time in his career. Okay. What a day to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The delivery supervisor, however, Richard Esser, soon arrived, giving the part-time carriers their routes for the day. A woman by the name of Patty Husbands, um, a clerk there, would soon give notice that the mail was ready for these rural car- carriers and to come to collect their mail. Like okay. Get, get their day rolling, right? So... At 7 o'clock in the morning, Cheryl would again be seen walking back to the SPO's office to again find it empty. Okay. About this time, about 7 in the morning, like, all postal employees are present and would be either at their sorting station or in the break room, like, grabbing another cup of coffee for the road or, you know, whatever, last minute. Mike... Rockney. Oh, another thing. There's a lot of names because there were so many people present. There were so many um, victims. Yeah. I I try not to use a ton of names, but I am throwing out names of these victims and, you know, people that were present. So. Right. Mike Rockney, a fellow carrier, was seen talking with the supervisor, Esser, to discuss vacation time, like leave that he was getting you know, ready to take, wanting to take. Sure. As they stood at Esser's desk, which in this big, large area, the supervisor's desk was kind of in the middle in like a glass office. So he could see everything that was Mm -hmm. going on. Yes. Okay. So as they stood there at Esser's desk, Cheryl approached the men, pulling out a forty-five caliber pistol and shooting Esser once in the chest and then turning to Rockney and fatally shooting him as well. The fuck, man? Mm-hmm. Yes. Just no words, nothing. Just walked up. At Just him. shot him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, in his book, Dell retells how at first no one knew what was happening. A few thought they had, like, heard balloons popping or firecrackers. One of them thought they somebody had dropped one of the mail holder, like the little bins. Right. It wasn't registering that what was happening was gunfire. Well, yeah, back in those days, people weren't just getting mass Mm-mm. shootings weren't happening all the time. No, not at all. 
And now we just expect it to be gunfire. Now we have we're to... we're surprised if it's firecrackers. Now we have to watch training videos once a year. On how to get on out how of to, a mass shooting situation. Uh-huh. Fight. See, what is it? Hide. Fight. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> We'd be in so much trouble for that. Ooh. Um, flee. Ew. Hide, fight, and flee. I don't know. Ooh. I remember the video. It's just been a minute. Anyways, yeah. Soon, clerks and carriers nearest the front entrance of the office, though, would begin fleeing, yelling, he's got a gun, get out. Justice, that wrote the book, was one of the first carriers out of the building. Okay. Whoever yelled, he's got a gun, get out, did God's work mm-hmm. that day. Yes. There's there's another person in here that I just... I couldn't believe what happened to him, and I'll, I'll tell you about it here in a second. But these people, I just can't. This was just tragic. So he would then go on to describe in his book how he witnessed, when he was outside, a fellow carrier stumble out the front entrance and collapse. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, Justice, would flag down a car passing by. Driving that car was a woman. They ended up finding out her name was J.J. Cox. This brave-ass woman had lived in Edmond for two days. Oh, she was probably like, oh, this was a mistake. Bye. No. I got to get out of here. Nope. She ended up living in, like, for a long, long time. She stayed in Edmond. But he pulled her over, was like, Hey, this is what's happening. I have an injured man. Can you take him to the hospital? She was like, yep, let's do this. Get him in. They load him up. Another coworker climbs in the car because she's like, I don't know where the hospital is. That's a fair statement. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. And they point her in the direction of the hospital. And in Edmond back in those days, there weren't 75 hospitals up here. There was like one. One. Yeah. Yes. So more on that. The man that stumbled out. I'm going to tell her in just a second. Okay, so another witness, his name is Mike Harris. He would actually witness Cheryl shoot the first victims, Rockney and Esser. Mm -hmm. He ran to the front of the building, which was the customer lobby area, pushed a co-worker over the service counter before he would jump the counter, run out of the building down the street to the police station. So the police station and the post office, I believe, are three to four blocks from one another. Yeah. Fairly close. He ran to the police station. Also did God's work. Yes, to tell them what was going on. Yep. Mike's wife, Donna, also worked at the post office. She was one of only a few people that ever had any conversations with Cheryl, uh-huh. any kind of meaningful conversations with Cheryl. She was actually off work that day. Oh, thank God. However, she said the day before when at work, Cheryl asked her if she would be working the next day, the 20th, to which she responded, no, I'm not scheduled to work. Cheryl then asked if she might come in to work overtime. No, you fuck nut. Yeah. She said uh, no. Yeah. At that point, she was like, 
Why are you did, being so... Did you yeah, want me there? Wanted like to kill her. Like, you wanted to shoot me like one of the... I was somebody that showed you compassion and kindness. What a shitbag. Oh, God. Like, have no idea. This guy. Okay. Let me tell you this. This really, I thought, amazing story. The individual that was rushed to the hospital by poor Miss JJ. Two-day transfer, uh, transfer right? Yeah. Or what they call Transplant. Yeah. Two-day transplant from... I can't remember the state she was from. I'm sorry. Oh, she wasn't even from Oklahoma. She wasn't even from Oklahoma. Um, she was two-day. <laughs> bless her. I Welcome. Precious. Welcome, hun. Precious. Welcome. Yeah. She ended up give it, getting, like, um, a bravery accommodation from the place she worked. I think it was, like, Southwestern Bell, and they ended up giving her, like, this. Aco- this. Oh, yeah. that's cute. It was nice. It was really good. So, the man that stumbled from the building, his name was Bill Nemo. He said he was going to stay inside. He was... I'm sorry? Yeah. He wanted... He thought he could divert Cheryl from the other carriers, mainly the women. Okay? So he's trying to keep... Maybe maybe they... He was thinking he people would get out faster. I don't know. Okay? Okay. Nemo was about a foot away from Cheryl when he was shot. Oh, jeez. With a forty-five caliber. Ugh. The bullet entered his left arm... Into his chest. The shot knocked him down. Cheryl continued shooting, but not at Nemo. So he shot at Cheryl, kept walking. Soon, he would see Cheryl coming back towards him, reloading his gun. At this point, thought he had a chance. He got to his feet grabbed Cheryl by the shirt, by the chest, like his shirt, and shoved him backwards. Cheryl fell over some boxes, pile of boxes or whatever, which gave him enough time to make it through that customer lobby and out to the, when people saw him stumble and fall. The doctor said if he would have been a couple of minutes later. Yeah. he. I think he was one of the, one of the, survivors that were shot that was in the hospital the longest that they they gave him a 40 percent chance of living he shoved this guy to try and get like fight fight him off yeah and made it out made it out over a counter there was no doors yeah because i mean they these people leaped over a service counter to get out Hmm. I'm trying to think now if there are little access points behind the counter in post offices. There might be now. Yeah. Hmm. Like little Dutch door type situations. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I was at a post office. I know. It's been a it's been a hot minute thanks to COVID and maybe a couple of times before that. I did well, anyways, yeah. whatever. So he survives. Some victims tried to hide. Okay, so you know the mailboxes at a post office. Right. So on the inside, it's like a little alcove, right, where they put all your mail. Some of the workers, um, the clerks and the carriers, tried to hide in those. Oh, hell to the no. I know. Mm-mm. Um. So unfortunately, when he did make his way to those, yeah, they had got no like twenty people sitting ducks right there. Yeah, they had nowhere to go. 
Witnesses stated that Patty Husbands, the one that was telling, hey, guys, your stuff's ready. Come get it. Yeah. Was seen following him saying, don't do it. My God, please don't do it. Like she was begging him and he was just ignoring her and just shooting. I believe he shot five more victims before turning the gun on Patty and taking Patty's life. Yeah. When he could find no more victims, he thought everyone he had gotten out or was deceased, he began turning lights off. So the the police officers that were now outside of the building, which there were a ton by this time. Right. Witnessed him walking around turning lights off. Okay. They know at some point he had locked a set of doors that kept people from escaping. Right. The one of the main things that kept it from being only, I say this very gently, only 14 victims. Right. I'm not meaning that. I don't want it to sound bad. The the front doors where these people escaped from uh-huh. had only been unlocked. It was not customer service time. Okay. Right. It was just for the people that were there sorting mail, right? Yes. So you got the main lobby area where the boxes are 24-7. Yeah, and you can always get your mail. Right. Yeah. This service lobby where the service desk was, this door was unlocked because the janitor was like, hey, I need to clean up this front area before before patrons come in. So they wouldn't have been able to get they out wouldn't of have that. Been a, they wouldn't have been able to get out of that door. they had one other exit they would have been if that door was not unlocked they would have had one exit to leave from because he locked the other one they don't know if he did it before he started shooting or during the shootings well probably before because it seemed like he had a plan yeah it seemed like he had a game plan it's not just like he lost his shit and then no whatever like he He, had a plan he wanted to take as many lives as possible yeah yeah. And that's what Ugh. saved this precious little janitor just being like, hey, I need to I need to clean these floors or clean up this area or whatever that was. I'm going to open this door. That saved almost, you know, 90 people's lives. I think 90 people were employed at the post office. And it Ugh. saved all those lives. I hate these shooters, man. I know. I hate them. But the, the, the strange turns turn of events that these people the bill bland the supervisor that gave the guy the reprimanding slept in for the first time in his career right didn't show up um the donna lady was like no i'm not gonna come in for yeah, overtime like, i'm not scheduled no, i'm no, not no. working today go fuck yourself yeah and then this little janitor was like hey maybe i'm gonna open this door really fast Ugh. just all these you know Ugh. just the universe like you're gonna stay we're gonna, yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna stay here on the planet Earth. Ooh, I know. It was just, I'm like, oh wow, these people. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of this, Shan, mm-hmm. took 15 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't take long with semi-automatic no. pistols. Yeah. So by 7:16, 15 people were dead, including the gunman. Did he kill himself or did police kill him? So, sorry, that's the part I totally skipped over, which is very important. Um, he Once he turned off all those lights, 
he went back to the supervisor's desk, uh-huh. the supervisor he just shot, um, sat in the chair and took his own life. What a fucking shitbag, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Ugh. So, however, it would it would be another hour and 15 minutes before SWAT would arrive and enter the building to find him dead. Okay. Okay. They think there was some confusion that there was a hostage situa- situation going, and so they didn't enter the building. Okay. One of the officers was overheard on the radio saying, Old Baldy's dead. So they knew he was gone. Okay. There were there were survivors. Yeah. There were survivors who had been bleeding for an hour and 15 minutes. Ew. Mm-hmm. Joyce Ingram and Judy Walker had played dead. You got to. Mm-hmm. In that situation, mm-hmm. you have to, right? Yep. You absolutely have to play dead. Yep. There's no other option. Yep. Yep. Played dead to escape being shot and then oh, waited. God. Survived another hour and 15 minutes after being shot with a 45 caliber bullet in the back. Ugh. <sighs> yes. The So this guy being this expert marksman right every one of these entry points were in the chest or back right so he went with yeah so it calls center, center mass. mass um which is uh, anyway to be able to survive an hour and 15 minutes after being shot because the way i understood it, like these bullets he used were not just like like in and out like they actually did damage type of slugs right so he's using like full metal jacket something like that like a yeah like they were made to make a hole not just an entry point like actual hole so yeah and tear up organs and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just amazing like i don't i couldn't how people play dead in situations like this i don't either because you know it's excruciating yeah. Absolutely excruciating. You're probably lightly in and out of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the women did lose consciousness, but she she woke up to see a man in uniform running towards her and she raised her hand. The other woman, and I can't remember, I should have wrote it down. I feel horrible. She saw a woman um, medic running towards her. Mm-hmm. She said she was so glad it was a woman because if a man would have ran towards her, she would have probably, like, panicked. She probably would have been like, fuck this nonsense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, can you – I just can't imagine. That's, like – I think because I was – how old was I? Like, uh, 12, 13 Mm -hmm. when Columbine happened? Mm Mm-hmm. That was my worst nightmare yeah. was being caught in a school right. or in a like a public setting like that with someone shooting uh you know just like spraying bullets everywhere yeah. and nowhere to hide. Right. Like your only option is like hiding under a cafeteria table or whatever right. and yeah. You know. Yeah. It's every parent's worst nightmare too. Like oh, you yeah. send your kids to For school sure. and 
I mean, they do the same active shooter drills that we do yeah. at work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just don't. Ugh. I just don't. It's I don't terrifying. get it. I don't get it. It's absolutely terrifying. I don't get it why you're so um, angry with one person that you think you need to make everyone pay or like how you're making that okay in your brain. I just, I don't understand it. People are sick. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't even, even want to say it's sick. It's not even sick. No, it's just like monstrous. you have this like God complex and little dick energy to support it. And now you're, yeah. you feel like because someone wounded your pride or whatever, now you have to take out people that didn't do shit to you. Right. You know? Yeah. It's one thing to, I mean, it's still not acceptable, but it's one thing to like kill the person that you feel like wronged you or traumatized you Mm -hmm. but like all these other people that did not do shit to you right how do you ever justify that in your own brain yeah i just don't yeah i'm like you i don't get it i don't get it at all we're not those people so thank god like we both shan have worked in uh, really toxic work environments in our (laughs) one thousand percent in our history not one time would we ever be like oh this whole place needs to go no, 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 no. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're like, you have the most toxic boss or you have the most toxic corporate, uh, what do they call it? Toxic corporate, like, like environments, environment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have coworkers that you love and yeah. people that you, you know, people that make the day worth yeah. going to work for and shit like that. And I'm this fucking tool bag. Ugh. I just hate a mass shooter. I do too. I just. Because somehow they justify that like a girl 16 years ago dumped them or stood them up on a date. And now they have to shoot 17 people for it. Like, right. go fuck yourself with your bullshit. Right. I hate that. Yeah. Ugh. I don't get it. Um, so once. Once they f- figured out that he was passed and medics were, you know, had come in and were trying to find survivors, they soon let the postal authorities as well as DA Bob Macy mm-hmm. into the facility to kind of look around and assess the situation and identify victims. It took three different individuals that were employed at the postal office that day to identify everyone sure um bill bland went in he immediately went into well i say immediately he soon went into shock so they pulled him out and i think two more gentlemen went in to help finish identifying um the victims so they had to i cannot imagine trying to do that nope -uh. so macy then did his interview with the media let him know, you know, let them know what was going on and, and whatnot. And that's when, at that time, when the others found out how many actual victims there were. Right. So nobody knew at all. Yeah. There was people leaving, seeing one of their coworker buddies, like, being pointed a gun out and just hoping they make it. Right. Right. Like, it's... Yeah, I can't, I truly cannot imagine, and I cannot imagine ever going back to, not even that place, 
because I'm a big fuck you on going back to that place ever again. Right. But going back to that same type of job. Right. I'm a no. Right. On that. Right. Well, Bill Bland, the supervisor that overslept and survived, mm-hmm. uh, would later that day, when everything was kind of, when all the bodies were taken away and they've done their initial, you know, assessment or whatever, would give the employees at the post office the administrative leave for the rest of the day. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of, um, sorry, what? The rest of the day. Oh, no, they got you paid. can go fuck yourself. They got paid You leave. can come in here with your bullshit mm-hmm. and find all this mail and go reroute it to a different facility and mm-hmm. you can go fuck your entire self. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yes. And also I quit. Bye. Yeah. You got to remember too, this was the 80s. No, I get it. And this like, I, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was quite a few people that were like, um, but <laughs> we just witnessed our friends being murdered. That's literally like asking those sirloin stockade employees to be like, well, we, we start dinner service tomorrow at six, guys. Be back. No, go fuck yourself. Right. No. Right. Not yes. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's in... Uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just... I just had like a super visceral reaction to no. that shit. No, I know. And it, it's like that... You know it's a sign of the times type of situation. Like yeah. they... People didn't know. I want to say people didn't know. If if he would have been witness to any of this, he there's no way he would have been like, well, we work again tomorrow, guys. Yeah. Yes. Be back on Wednesday or whatever. I would like to think that anyways. Right. Even he just had to like identify his employees bodies. Yeah. Right. So. Mhm. Wow. No. Sorry. Sorry Bill Bland, but no. Yeah. It was found the weapons, the two forty-five caliber pistols that mm. were used, were both checked out of the National Guard Armory. Armory with 200 rounds of ammunition that only the members of the marksmanship team were authorized to do, to use. So they let people ch- just check out guns like that? Yeah, to go to target practice with. They did in 1986. And that's what was used. But he never checked him back in, and he just took him to kill people. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Might want to rein in that process, but yeah. okay. I did never see anything on whether that's still a thing, whether it's and been locked no down. Way. There's no way that's still a thing. Surely not. I cannot imagine the amount of liability that would be, because, you know, we're all worried about our bottom dollar at this point. Right. I cannot... I would fathom a guess, hazard a guess, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. that the families of those victims probably sued the shit out of the Oklahoma National Guard. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Here. Okay, Just fair, enough. Uh-huh. fair enough. Uh-huh. So, of course, they went ahead and did an investigation as to find out why he did this, right? It was found that he had called the Postal Union officials twice the day before demanding to be moved to Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. because he hated his job, obviously. 
he also, Cheryl, did not hold jobs for long throughout his, he was 44 years old and had like maybe three jobs. There was like an eight-year stint where he had no work. Is it because he's such a fucking peach? Probably. More than likely. Um, I think one of the jobs he quit because he thought people were laughing at him. So he complained and then quit. Like he, Oh, he might be legitimately mentally unbalanced. Yeah. I really think so. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. It was also found that poor decisions made by management were made after interviewing Cheryl for this carrier, part-time carrier thing, too. Like, they may have overlooked some signs that he was maybe not a stellar employee at previous. Eh. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, this was later brought up at the congressional hearing as well as lawsuits made. Wow. So they kind of overlooked it. So when they decided to search his property, uh-huh. they would find a multitude of weapons, obviously, Duh. including two <laughs> BB pistols and a BB rifle, okay. which was random. But they also found in the house, inside, round bullseye targets on paper sheets that were about 14 inches square. Okay. Taped to boxes filled with paper that they believed he used as BB target practice in his home. Okay. So, so he he tried to create a whole ass personality around his guns. Yeah. And being a marksman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that he That's not a personality. Someone should have told him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I think. So when neighbors were interviewed of Cheryl's Multiple, excuse me, multiple reports stated he was caught peeping into neighbors' windows at night. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that the neighborhood children would call him Crazy Pat. They're which, not wrong, though. No. <laughs> um, which would lead Cheryl to chase after them <gasps> in rage. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, he confronted one, like, tried to... Confront, like, ran after a child and the the kid's dad intervened and was like, <gasps> uh, no, 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 not going to do that. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. But also, too, like, I, calling an adult a name, that's terrifying, because of this, like, you don't know what... Oh, yeah, 1,000%, but also, like, they're children. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, coming as a child, did you ever, like... Because we had a town, a, a little dude in our town, right? It yeah, was, yeah. But I don't remember, like, walking by and, like, taunting him with a... I don't even remember that guy's name. No, but I was so afraid of my own shadow anyway. Like, <laughs> I know, I, same. When adults would talk to me, I would, like, hide behind my mom's skirt. I mean, same. So, 
That's why I'm just like, God, kids back then had balls, man. Like, Super they just balls. didn't care. But you were free-ranging, too. True. Free-range kids. You didn't have just... any adult supervision. Yeah. Mom and dad were working 9 to 5 and... And sometimes any... then 6 to 12, so... <laughs> at any given time, you're just, like, on your own. Godspeed. Yeah. yeah. So true. Oof. Yeah. So some of these neighbors, you know, reported they had run-ins with them mainly concerning their children, calling him names and taunting him and whatnot. Others said he seemed fine and wouldn't believe he was capable of anything like that. So uh, it's just, I guess, I don't know. Those people that were like, he was fine. Those were the people that um, were also gun nuts. Oh, well. And maybe. would talk about how many... Uh, people they shot in Nam and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Those were the same people. True. Mm. Yeah. So, of course, union officials blamed increasing pressure and even harassment for management to increase productivity and stated that they believe that because of this, it contributed to this incident. However, he was part-time. <laughs> That's what I, he was a part-time yeah. relief carrier. Right. And in all honesty, they can say that sure because there had been there had been other postal shootings before this one mm-hmm. happened. I think this was that was his excuse to do it. I think he just needed a reason. He finally snapped and he just wanted to kill people. Cuz he probably didn't get to in the Marine Corps, because he was probably at a desk job, or I don't know. Right. And he wanted to see. Some action. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're probably he wanted 100% to be right. deployed to combat. Wasn't. That's why he d- decided to lie to people about it. Exactly. And then just snapped, because he thought people were making fun of him, and this was... Which, okay, let me, I, first of all, don't buy into any of that nonsense that, like, pressure for productivity and stuff was a thing at the Postal Service. Mm -hmm. Because it's the Postal Service. I mean, apparently there was, like, there was quite a big, you know, thing. That's why they think so many of these postal shooting happened in this, like, 10-year span. But also at the same time, uh, Bill, what was his last name? Bland. Mm-hmm. Coming back the next day and being like, okay, well, back to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, hmm. You're probably not wrong. Right. Probably did feel a lot of right uh, pressure to perform and stuff like that if they were asking people to come back to work Within 24 hours. Right. And so there was a congressional hearing that took place in March of 87. Uh-huh. So a lot of survivors and families, as well as union heads, would testify concerning the less than sympathetic handling of the situation. Yeah. So um, counseling was offered immediately, um, as well as... Group therapy was offered off-site. Um, an officer was present 
at the postal facility. However, the officer and the counselor were both removed seven weeks later from the facility. One of the carriers testified at this congressional hearing and actually brought a recording in of the postmaster at the time stating that uh, the postmaster stated he was surprised half the people hadn't sought help and they should, but then goes on to to say, it's been six weeks. Now you get help on your own time or take annual leave if you need it in the middle of your shift. What the fuck? Yes. What? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I want to thank Sign of Times. It's been six weeks. Get over it. Right. I want, like, the postmaster (laughs) was not there the time of all this happening. He was not there. He was out of town or something. I just want to believe they didn't know how to handle. They didn't know... They didn't know what to do. In my heart of hearts, I want to believe that. But because I, I just can't see a management situation, supervisory role, management role to be that um, cold about it. Like these people witnessed their friends dying. Do you see what I'm saying? And so oh, I'm yeah. like, yeah. Are you seriously capable of being, okay, it's been six weeks now. People are wondering why we're not back to normal. Um, This isn't, we weren't trained to watch people die in front of us and then to get back on the job. Yeah, this isn't a combat hospital. This is a fucking post office in Edmond, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in just coming to work and seeing people die. Right. Yeah. But also... I think we all know I'm on team. Go fuck yourself if you tell me to come back in 24 hours. Right. No, 100%. Like if any type of witness of any type of death and especially yeah. workplace violence. Now, I'm going to I'm going to take an extended leave and y'all are going to compensate. Yeah. Pretty well. I would hope because you can't They're not, you cannot like expect people that have witnessed such trauma to get over it within a a certain period of time no we know for a fact trauma takes years if not more if not ever yeah it's ever healed and you ever come out of the traumatic experience like you can't put a time limit on someone's healing no 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 at all no and that's I, nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. But this is this just kind of reminds me of how, you know, back in the day when they they would send men off to war and then back to home. Yeah, and they would just be like, "Well, it's time to go back and go go back to your family and go back to work." And then you got wives and kids that are like, "This guy has lost it. Can't go to sleep at night without screaming." Right. And he's drinking and now he's mean and he mm-hmm. hits me and he doesn't, you know. Yeah. And they were like, oh, it's shell shock. Right? That's what they called it back in the day. Shell shock. Yeah. They didn't even come back with PTSD until the 90s. Yeah. Was it um, Desert Storm? I think that's what I was going to say. Desert Storm, I think, is when they coined that, right? I think that's that, when right? they f- d- started doing PTSD instead of calling it shell shock. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. if you had shell shock, you were just deal with it on your own. Yeah. Figure it out. But as we know now, <clears throat> PTSD is not just a combat type of trauma. Any no, yeah. post-traumatic and trauma is not the same for everyone. No, trauma, trauma is, is not one relative. level. Yeah. yeah. It's all relative. Like there's different levels of trauma and how you process that trauma, how you heal from that trauma. It's not just, hey, here's your six weeks of in-house counseling. Now go on your own time. Yeah. And your own dollar to get the help you need after watching your coworker killed. I just, there's just so many things between the post office's handling of this, the Oklahoma National Guard armory really screwing the pooch on that whole mm-hmm. pistol thing. And, like, I mean, I would be intrigued to see how the government, both state and federal, mm-hmm. try to cover their asses in this. Yeah. Thing. There's a lot in mm-hmm. Justice's book that they use this postmaster as a scapegoat to, you know, blame it on safety issues there because there was quite a few um, less than stellar safety reviews of the facility. Okay. That if there was this one other door, that more people could have escaped and. Um, or he some could of the have exits, another door. Yeah, like, some of the exits were not marked properly. And so I think there was a lot of the government trying to make this postmaster their scapegoat instead of. Which sounds about right. Instead of, you know, saying what it was and that this gentleman killed people. And now let's take care of those victims yeah. instead of trying to put blame on a living person. Let's. Hey, let's blame the monster that did this and then make sure all of these victims are taken care of so well that they will never want for, um, you know, any type of peace in their life after. Like, yeah, they're able to heal properly on their own terms and the their own time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that. Instead of putting a limit and then saying, well, if your place would have been safer, if your if your boss would have had your your facility safer, you their friends would be life. No, no, unfortunately, that's not real life. That's not real. That's not what happened. You had a monster working in your facility. Can you imagine? Okay, so can you imagine as a working adult? We've both been in the workforce for like a really long time. At so this long point, for like an embarrassingly long so time. I thought long. I'd be independently wealthy by now, but so here right. we are. <clears throat> um, Still holding on for that shame. <laughs> can you imagine? As a working adult, being a part of this, so seeing something like that, seeing people that you work with every day being murdered. Right. Multiple people. Right. And then not only does your boss say, okay, 24 hours and be back here, but then you actually go back to work. Right. At that facility. Right. Where you saw your friends be murdered. And they're like, okay, we have this on-site counselor and this cop that's, like, hanging out for security or whatever. Um, And you can talk to this on-site counselor whenever. How much of a fucking basket case would you be just walking through that door every day? No, there was one woman who she couldn't physically 
walk through the doors, she had to walk in with a group of people the first day back that she went back to work. She was like, I could not physically step into the building. Yeah, I believe that. I don't think I would ever be able to go back in there. I don't think I could either. And these people did it within 24 hours. Yeah, a lot of them went in the very next morning. They went to work. That is insanity to me. That is insanity. Yeah. This is the very definition of like, one of my old managers was like, we don't do brain surgery here. So there is absolutely no reason for you to stress about this job at all. Do your hours. Mm -hmm. Do them well. And if your kid is sick, if your dog is sick, if you're sick, Mm -hmm. whatever, go home. Yeah. We don't do brain surgery here. We're not saving lives. Right. And that is the definition of that shit. Like, you work at a post office. No shade, not diminishing anyone's contribution to any job that they do. Right. You are not out there saving lives. Right. In the mail. Right. They can divert it to another station. Right. There is plenty of means to divert. Yes. Yeah. Go mentally take care of yourself. Yeah. For at least a while. Oh, I would. uh, Yeah. I just. Some people couldn't go back. They were just like, no, sorry. Not. Yeah. um, There was a couple of people. I think they did tell them if you want to transfer, we will help you transfer. (laughs) Think I'm going to any fucking place with a goddamn sorting room again? You are out of your ever loving mind. You. There's no telling what one tiny thing from that facility could trigger any of those people. The smell, because you know, post offices always have a certain smell. Yeah. The smell. Yeah. How could you ever walk into a post office again? Yeah. And smell the smell. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Horrifying that they were like, oh, come back in 24 hours. Yeah. Or we'll uh, transfer you to another facility down the street. Uh, no, I don't think you understand. Right. I'm not going anywhere near a piece of mail. In fact, one of these people were probably like, you know what would be great? Electronic mail. I'm going to invent email <laughs> to avoid ever going near a fucking piece of mail again. Yeah. Keep me away from paper. Because this is bullshit. Yeah. Like one of those poor people in Edmond was probably the inventor of email. That could have been. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, okay. There was also testimony that compensation, life insurance policies, and medical benefits were not handled properly or quickly. Shocking. Just a whole lot of red tape. Um, Are you serious with a government? Yeah. They'll listen to this one. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. I know. It's crazy, right? So one major problem with the federal employee group life insurance was that the the company claimed, the Federal Employee Group Life Insurance, claimed that homicide was not covered in their policy with Postal Service employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Mm-hmm. At that point, I had to, nope, these people, they passed away. That's all you need to know. Like. They passed away at work. Uh-huh. Doing their fucking uh-huh. job. You're going to deny a life insurance claim because it was a homicide? 
No. You're going to go in and you're going to act like that didn't, you didn't hear that. And you're going to say this person died on the job. Yeah. This person died of a heart. This person died of heart failure on the job. Uh Uh-huh. Boom. Period. Yeah. Because, you know, we all die of heart failure. Uh Uh-huh. But this person died of heart failure Uh on the job. We know it can be done. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Just do it and pay it out. Don't make these people this was before okay so see this this stuff still happens it doesn't happen as often Mm -hmm. because people are so pr centered they have pr at the front of their brain Mm -hmm. and nobody with our 24-hour news cycle nobody wants to hear oh globe life denied Paying paying out on life insurance claims for the 14 people that were murdered in Edmond last night at a fucking postal shooting. No one wants that. Mm-mm. No one wants that. Nope. But back then, they could just get away with all this dirty shit. And they people didn't know what to do. Yeah. They didn't know that there were ways to keep that from happening. I don't know. Yeah. The president of the National Association of Letter Carriers would um, explain that these men men and women returning to work the next day was a part of their work work ethic, but said there should be a period of reflection. Unlike police officers and firefighters, postal carriers are not trained to handle tragedies. So kind of like what you were saying, like they should not have been made to go back to work or feel like they had to. Like they had to. Yeah. That should not have been an option in their brains at all. No. They should have just been, hey, go home. Yeah. We will let you know. Yeah. Like you just witnessed the worst of the worst. Go. Yes. Yeah. 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 So in April of nine. 1988, excuse me, several of the families and survivors filed a $75 million lawsuit um, alleging the Edmond police chief identified the situation as a hostage situation, Uh which kept officers from entering the building. Uh Also alleges that the officials in the Oklahoma National Guard failed to investigate Cheryl before allowing him access to these guns. Yes. And that the postmaster had put pressure on Cheryl, hoping he would resign instead of just terminating his employment. So maybe insinuating a little harassment there and... A lot of pressure. A a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure to maybe leave. Instead of just being like, you're out. Is that why they now have the um, at-will law? (laughs) Like, they can fire you without reason. I think Oklahoma's always been an at-will state. I think we've always been a right-to-work state. Because the union's never been that strong here. Mm, You know? Yeah. I I don't know how it works with federal jobs. Yeah. I don't know either. Because that might be a whole different... True. ...ballgame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to me, I mean... There's no employer based in Oklahoma that's not like, I'll fucking fire you tomorrow. I don't give a shit. Because there's no recourse. First right. of all, our EEOC is a fucking joke mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Yeah. There's no recourse. Right. And 
they can essentially fire you for anything that's not a protected class, but all they have to do is say, you're fired because you're underperforming, instead of saying, you're fired because you're black, or you're fired because you're gay. Yeah. Or whatever. Or you're fired because you're pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. And as long as they don't overtly write it in an email to you that you're right. fired because you're a protected class mm-hmm. and just fire you. Yeah. Covers their ass. Because, yeah. You can have a stellar review yep. and they can still fire you saying you didn't perform well. Yep. Yeah. You can work for someone for years mm-hmm. with multiple good performances yeah. and pay increases mm-hmm. And then it inconveniences them when you're getting ready to take maternity leave. Right. So they fire you. Right. Because you've done a poor job. Right. In quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's nothing you can do about it. Nope. Not a GD thing. Nope. Yeah. So. But by God, you better give them two weeks notice before you leave. <laughs> that is my favorite. Like, I love... Looking at people, I'm a big proponent of giving two weeks if I completely respect my boss. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Hell, I'll give you a month if that's an option. Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of that. But if you're actively screwing me, mm-hmm. you're gonna fill my. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you're gonna fill my job the next day. Right. I don't feel the need to give you two weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't respect me. I don't respect you. Let's just yeah call a spade a spade. And I think that's a that's what they're trying to nowadays is kind of focus on like, hey, these employers can fire you at will. Mm-hmm. But if it's a toxic environment, you don't owe them two weeks. No. At all. No. If you feel like there's um, any any type of toxic, it doesn't matter. Could yeah. be racially motivated. It could be sexism, ageism, anything. Um they don't they don't deserve your two weeks no no because if you like you said if, if you, they valued you as an employee they wouldn't be treating you like shit yeah if they valued your position and valued you as an employee they wouldn't be treating you like shit yeah and at the end of the day a lot of these employers treat you like a number and i can replace you tomorrow right okay great yeah bye yeah. this is my last day yeah have a great life yeah. replace me tomorrow right Go there's, fuck yourself. There's been a, a couple employers that were very much made it a very apparent, very known at the beginning that you are a number. Mm-hmm. If you don't do your – then we're going to fi- find somebody. And I'm like, how How did these people stay working there for years? Mm-hmm. Um, And they did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm just – I'm so – let me just – I feel so fortunate to be where I am at today. I love where I'm at. Utmost respect for those people. Um, just FYI, I wasn't talking about any of y'all. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love my work fa- my work family. <laughs> Let's just get that real clear, okay? I do. So, but there are, and we've all, we've all had those jobs where it's super toxic like that. And, oh, yeah. Um, still with lived with this or um believed that we needed to give them two weeks and no nah. and these postal service people if you even walked back in the door after this i don't know catastrophe i don't don't know how you did it Mm -mm. i respect your resolve but at the same time i'm just like why did you not just show them both middle fingers and walk away 
Yeah. I cannot even imagine it. Yeah. I can't either. And it would have been, you know what, you flipping off your boss and whoever else when they told you to come back. It would have been your right as a trauma victim to show your emotions in that way. 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, don't tell me to come back after no. what just happened. No. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. So just to our 13 listeners <laughs> listening. Go quit your jobs tomorrow. Just no. JK. JK. <laughs> Keep your day jobs, people. <laughs> we definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, unfortunately, the lawsuit, uh, they did not win that lawsuit. And they did not win that lawsuit. Uh, They appeal for that either. So, it's really sad. But I am shocked they didn't get something out of it. Mm -mm. Shocked. Because that National Guard armory, holy shit. Yeah. You're checking out two pistols and 200 rounds? 200 rounds of these certain bullets. Yeah. Not just, like, practice bullets, yeah. right? Like, these were bullets that... Anyway. Yeah. Just the 80s, man. What a time to be if You alive. were a white dude in the 80s. <laughs> you were living your best life. Oh, wait. <laughs> Clear till 2022. <laughs> Got away with... <laughs> um, so... Del Justice, the gentleman that wrote this book, uh, would go on to become the safety captain at the Edmund Post Office. Oh. I know. He like he stayed? W- he went back. He sure did. Quite a few of them actually went back. There was Shit. just a handful that were like, nope, I'm out. But yeah, like he 100% loved his job. He loved the post office and, you know, his coworkers. Like, that was his jam. So, like, bravo to him for being able to go back in there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, in May of 1989, a a, uh, memorial fountain was placed on the south side of the post office, depicting a woman and man holding a yellow ribbon. That fountain is still there today. Yeah. I saw it today, actually. Yeah. The fountain contains 14 water jets for each victim and a plaque with their names. And so I'm just going to read you the names of all those victims really fast so they can um, so we can kind of know who kind of, I guess, pay that ultimate price. Right. Like they they went in just another. The literal ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. For a job. Yeah. God. But I mean, that's any. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely awful. I know. So the 14 people killed that day. Patricia Ann Chambers, 41. Judy Stevens Denny, 41. Richard Esser Jr., 38. Patricia Gabbard, 47. Jonna Ruth Gregart, 30. Patty Jean Husband, 48. Betty, uh, excuse me, Betty Ann Jar or Jari, 34. William F. Miller, 30. Kenneth W. Morey, 49. Leroy Oren Phillips, 42. Jerry Ralph, excuse me, Jerry Ralph Pyle, 51. And Paul 
Michael Rockney, 33, Thomas Wade Shader, Jr., 31, and Patty Lou Welch, 27. God. All lost their lives that morning. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's the awful story um, of the Edmund Postal shooting, but also some remarkable survivors and yeah, people that just really tried to um, stop him and and tried to help in any way. So this is definitely one of those stories that you feel like if you're from Oklahoma, it's sort of ingrained in your DNA. Mm-hmm. But there's so much about it that I don't know, and I've never read anything about mm-hmm. it, and I don't think I've ever seen any, like, documentaries or anything about it. Right. I don't think there are any documentaries about it, actually. Yeah. Um, if you've ever heard the phrase, going postal, yeah. that stemmed from this Edmund massacre, um, we do not condone using that phrase at all, because there's so many victims, but, you know... The next time you do hear it, because I, I think I was. That was all the rage when we were young. Oh, yeah. Like when I, I think I was maybe in my 20s when I actually learned that it came from here in Edmond. And I was like, oh, yeah, like no more. I'm not using that anymore. So, yeah. Learn from your mistakes like I did. Let's not, you know, use that term or whatever. But if you ever do hear it, that's where it came from was this. This shooting in Edmond. So. God. Yeah. Just awful. Yeah, it was. Awful. So. That was a good one, though, Shai. Thanks, Shan. You did it a lot of justice. I hope so. I I wish I could have. If you're, if you're able to read The 15 Minutes of Terror by Del Justice, I suggest you do. It's a quick read. Um, but he goes in and describes each of these people, these victims, and kind of gives her, you know, how he saw them, how their family saw them, you know, what type of people they were. Um, it goes into much more detail about the congressional hearing as well as the lawsuits and just kind of gives you, you know, just a rundown on postal carriers and what they do. And, you know, they, these people, you know, you see them every day, deliver your mail or whatever. And, and so it's just a really good read. And I'm really glad he wrote this book. And in it, he, you know, he's like, I want, I want there to be the firsthand account story of what happened that day instead of all of these rumors or or whatever so and he he does it very well with both sides both Mm -hmm. the um postal the post office side as well as being a victim too so it's just a really good book i really liked it good that's that sounds like a really good one yeah it was factual yes yes that's awesome yep good job shay thanks shan If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at You're Doing Fine OK Pod. That's you you are underscore underscore doing underscore fine underscore underscore OK underscore underscore pod. pod.